Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me today. Now, we are in part three of what is a biblical marriage. And as I look at uh, a biblical marriage, I thought I could cover this topic in two days, and now we're in the third day. And so uh, as we look at these eight purposes of marriage, you know, the reason I'm giving you these is because our culture today has forgotten or forsaken what biblical marriage is all about. But I believe there's a remnant of God's people who so desire to live a godly lives that are reflected in our marriages. And I want you to know, although it may feel like it's impossible to have a biblical marriage today, I know of literally hundreds of people uh, that are living out the biblical principles of a God-honoring marriage. It goes right back to the book of Genesis. But before we go too far, let me define what a biblical marriage is. It is an intimate, complementing, covenant union between a man and a woman in which the two become one for life. You see, the purpose of marriage is to reflect the relationship of the Godhead and to serve Him. You know why marriage is under attack? Because the enemy hates people seeing the gospel reflected in marriages. Although the fall of marriage has caused a lot of problems, the divine purpose and function of marriage is still intact. Let's look at the God-ordained ideal for marriage from the beginning of human history. Now remember, the definition, intimate, that's based on love, complementing, two becoming one, not competing with one another, but complementing one another, and the word covenant, unconditional union, unconditional love between a man and a woman, which two become one for one lifetime. So marriage from the beginning of human history has been defined by God. Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is not a bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So part of woman came out of man. Uh, This is why a man leaves his father and mother, united with his wife, they become one flesh. Uh, So the process continues. So the action of entering into wedlock, uh, this is the state of a condition where you're a husband and a wife in matrimony till death do you part. A union of a man and a woman by life, by marriage, is a particular understanding of matrimonial union. So the marriage bed should be honored, and uh, and we should realize that God does judge sexual immorality. So let's look at eight reasons for a biblical marriage. Uh, Let me give you the first five or six really quick and then we'll spend some time on the last couple that we haven't covered so far. First of all, marriage reflects Christ in the church. All right, this is a profound mystery. And Paul is saying, I'm talking about Christ and the church. Uh, so marriage reflects Christ in the church that we uh, should love our spouse unconditionally. You know, every time I do marriage counseling, and I'll be honest with you, I don't do a whole lot anymore because it's very frustrating because generally a couple will come to me They don't want to be married, and they're looking for validation of why they don't want to be married. And I submit to you, 
if two people want to be married and stay married, it doesn't really matter what happens in that relationship. They can work it through. I have seen people work through unbelievable sin, unbelievable odds, unbelievable crisis, and their marriage gets stronger. But if you don't want to get married, it takes two to be married, one to break up a marriage. If one spouse or the other spouse doesn't want to be married, uh, no matter what you do, it's not going to work out. And my experience is that if you want to stay married as a husband and wife, you can. If you don't, you won't. Love should be in the marriage relationship unconditional. That is faithfulness in a marriage. Faithfulness that is unshakable. You know, I kid around about my relationship with my wife, and and I kid around by saying, you know, we're not going to divorce one another. We're not going to talk about divorce. And and we kid around and say, well, we we talked about murder, but but we're not going to divorce one another. And and I kid around saying, I know what I'm going to do. If she runs away, I'm going to run away with her. But very few people have that level of a covenant understanding of what marriage is. And marriage also should be a time of protection. One of the reasons marriages fall apart is because we no longer protect our spouse. You know, I learned this as a very young man. I'm ashamed to say that when I was a younger pastor sometimes, my wife would oftentimes be the brunt of my jokes and the brunt of my sarcasm. Uh, But, you know, I got a conviction of that. I said, why are you being sarcastic to the one that you love? And God began to rebuke me on that. And I started to hold my wife in high honor. And I don't worship my wife. And I think uh, you can go the extreme. You know, I think some people do that. They worship their spouse and they give her all these kind of names, like, you know, like a hot babe and all that. Well, you know, to me, that's a little bit going too far. We are told to honor our wives. Uh, we are told that the marriage should be held in high honor. So there's this protection aspect that is undeniable. So marriage reflects Christ in the church. Number two, we learned that marriage also expresses completeness and union. Genesis 2.2, therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they become one flesh. Two being together, held fast to his wife, they became one flesh. Number three, and because of time I'm moving along quickly here, uh, number three, marriage is designed to help us to grow in maturity. And Peter talks about our prayers can be hindered because we are not living with our wives in an understanding way, and there's maybe an offense that we have against our wives, and it's actually hindering our relationship. So if you're married, God designed us to grow up, right? Uh, Don't be afraid to apologize. You know, marriage teaches us loyalty. It teaches us forbearance. It teaches us self-restraint. You know, love covers over a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean it denies it is there, but it covers over and that we protect the sinner, right? Uh, The one that we love. So when you are married to somebody, uh, you don't exploit them in their shortcomings. You try to help them overcome their shortcomings. So a great marriage lesson that I've learned is how to forgive. You know, immature people have a hard time forgiving because to forgive is a great act of humility. So we're to grow in faithfulness in our marriage. We're to grow in problem solving. You know, as I think about my 34 years of being married, we have gone through a lot of problems. 
And as I was reflecting on this message, we went through the problem of how to pay for college and how to pay for seminary. And we were both full-time students and full-time working. And and then we go through the problem of having children and then having multiple children. We've learned through financial issues and how to navigate through not enough money and running out of money before you run out of the month. And we have learned crisis within our children when they became teenagers. Uh, We had a prodigal son. We have gone through the crisis of problem solving with planting a church and starting a church and and all that is involved in in having a church and then starting a school and a a daycare and all the problems that go with that. We've had to deal with church drama and church issues and splinters and fractions within the church. And, And then we've had to learn how to navigate having a special needs child and all that goes along with that. And then we've had some health issues that have attacked us through our years of marriage. And then we've lost loved ones. And uh, and since I've been married, I've had to uh, bury grandparents and uncles and aunts. And and, uh, I had to bury my dad as a married man. And so uh, you learn to navigate through the problems of life. Now, I say often, my wife is not perfect, but she has been perfect for me. She has helped me to grow up and be the man that God wants me to be. And I have helped her to develop, to become the woman that God wants her to be, the mother that God wants her to be. And it's been such a joy to do that together as a couple. So we're also growing in strength of character. There's something about uh, a high level of character that will allow you to stay with a person when everything within you wants to abandon that relationship. Well, number four, a biblical marriage is designed to grow us not only in maturity, but it also teaches us healthy companionship. The Lord said, it's not good, Genesis 2.18, it's not good that a man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper that is fit for him. And so God gives us our spouses so that we can learn to get along with somebody. You know, it's easy to get along with yourself. It's easy as a single person not having to worry about, uh, you know, the house being clean and not having to worry about a whole bunch of things because you're not living with another person. But marriage teaches us healthy companionship. And then marriage also uh, teaches us number six. Marriage is a partnership, both giving 100%. A marriage offers joy and pleasure. In Genesis 2.25, it says, and the man and his wife, they were both naked, but they weren't ashamed. And now Tim Keller, who recently passed away, gave an illustration and used sex as a parable of the gospel. And he talks about the joy of sex is supposed to be a foretaste of the complete ecstasy and the joy of being totally united with Christ. He says, you know, the moment that we see Christ face to face, we'll all be naked in a way, and and yet we'll be delighted in our nakedness, that we will be unashamed. The Lord will look at us through Jesus and say, I love you. You see, great sex is a parable of the gospel to be utterly accepted in spite of your sin, 
to be loved by the one you admire to the sky. You see, it's giving yourself completely over to your spouse. 100% transparency. It's not only giving 100% of my resources, but it's giving 100% of me emotionally, spiritually, and physically over to my spouse. And as a result of that, I experience a joy, a joy of intimacy, realizing that I've given myself completely to somebody else who has given himself completely to me, which is a picture of the gospel. Giving myself and surrendering myself completely to Christ because he has completely surrendered himself to me. He gave his life for me so that I could have everlasting life. And as a result of that, there is nothing that I should withhold for Christ. You see, I think one of the reasons that we have such a low view of marriage is because we have such a high view of ourselves and a low view of God himself. When I understand what God has done for me, and I realize the sacrifice that he made so that I could have a relationship with him, I should be willing to make any sacrifice necessary for my spouse. You may be listening to me say, well, you don't know what my wife's done to me, or you don't know what my husband's done for me or done to me. You're right, I don't. And I wish I could identify more deeply with the hurt that you're experiencing. But the bottom line is, I can't identify with every hurt that you are experiencing. But I do know the one that can bring healing in the midst of that hurt. I do know the one that can comfort you in the midst of that pain. I know that being in a difficult marriage is is not pleasant at all. And I know that uh, there are some biblical grounds that God does provide for divorce. But I know that divorce should be the very last option. Divorce should only be exercised in the case of a partner who is being unfaithful and refuses to confess and turn from that unfaithfulness. When there's a hardness of a heart, there's nothing that can be done to turn that around. But my experience, most people, they get divorced. It's not because of adultery. It's not because of abuse. It's not because of abandonment. Most divorces take place because, you know, I'm tired of dealing with this person. Uh, They've got these hang-ups and they've got these shortcomings. Oh, yeah, I've got my shortcomings too, but I'm, I'm tired of being with them. I want to move on to something bigger and something better. As a matter of fact, in our culture today, they actually have marriages that are called starter marriages. Kind of like you have a a starter home. You know, I'm going to buy this little bungalow and uh, because it's all that I can afford at this time. And you buy it and and you fix it up and then you say, you know, I'm kind of tired of this little place and uh, let me move on to something bigger and something better. You see, most marriages fall apart, uh, not because of adultery or or, or not because of, a, of abuse. Most marriages fall apart because there's a lack of satisfaction. I want something bigger. I want something better. I want something different. I'm, I'm sick and tired of what I have. And so we created this thing called no-fault divorces. In other words, I just don't want to be married anymore. We have lowered the value of marriage. As a result, we've increased the level of depression. Uh, we've increased the level of dissatisfaction. You see, there's something about hanging in with somebody till death do you part, that creates a tremendous source of gratification. Well, let me move on. 
Marriage number seven. Marriage offers joy and pleasure. And marriage offers this opportunity to be involved in procreation. Many years ago, when I first uh, started delving into the subject of marriage, this was always top of the list. And, and this is extremely important, okay? But as I look at marriage for procreation, it says in Genesis 1.28, would it be fruitful and to multiply? One of the joys and the pleasures of marriage is that it develops into a family. In Genesis chapter 4, we see that Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Now, when you get married, I think that the majority of couples should be expecting God to bless them with children. That ought to be part of the reason that we get married, because we are commanded to be fruitful and to multiply. There are so many benefits of having children. As a matter of fact, I kid around uh, as I think about the subject of children. I told my kids, I said, now, I have tried my best to provide for you, to protect you, and, and I haven't been a perfect parent. I'll be the first to admit but I've done the best I can uh, with the resources that God has given me. Now, because of that, I want to make sure that you as children understand, as I get older, uh, we may have a role reversal. Uh, you may have to take care of me. And I says, I want you to know that I took really good care of you as you were growing up so that one day you'll pick out a really nice nursing home for me. Or one day uh, you'll take really good care of me when I can no longer take care of myself you know, being fruitful and multiplying. Marriage is designed for joy and pleasure, but it's also designed so that you can continue on God's agenda and making this place fruitful and multiplying. Oh, marriage and having kids is, is such a joy. Oh, there's a lot of responsibility. It costs a lot of money to have children. Nobody's disputing that fact. And it is a lot of effort and a lot of pain, and sometimes hurt in having children. But I want you to know, it's better than walking life alone. It's not good that we should be alone. Yes, God gives us a life partner, but God also wants us to have children. Children are a blessing from the Lord. I'm so glad that when my wife and I got married, when Sharon and I were married, we decided that as soon as we were finished our education, we wanted to start to have a family. It was part of our plan from day one. We wanted God to bless us with children. We both had this uh, desire for children, and I came from a very large family, and uh, my wife had a, a sister and a brother. And so we prayed that the Lord would bless us with children, and He has. He's blessed us with five children. Uh, we do have one child up in heaven uh, that uh, we, we lost through a miscarriage, but even in that time, uh, it, God got us uh, through that difficult time. Children are a tremendous source of encouragement. You know, as I look at my life, I guess a couple years ago, I was like, man, I'm getting up there in age. And, and I was thinking in my life, maybe I need a, a new hobby, right? You know, I don't have a whole lot of hobbies. And, and some of the hobbies that I used to love to do, 
uh, I've been not been able to do because they were more physical in nature. And now that I've gotten older, I actually love to play racquetball. Uh, I'd spend hours and hours playing racquetball. Well, I haven't played racquetball. Maybe I should pick it up again. But, uh, you know, I think about the reasons for moving on ahead. Everybody needs a purpose for living. I got to tell you that the birth of my grandson has given me new vigor, right? A new reason for saying, I better take care of myself, right? So that I can be around to enjoy my grandchildren. And with five kids, I'm thinking I'm going to probably have uh, quite a few grandchildren in the future. And so being fruitful and multiplying is one of the joys of marriage. Well, I've got one final point I got to cover. Number eight, marriage actually extends God's kingdom. Let me look at a couple of verses here, okay? Genesis 1, 28 and Genesis 1, 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And God blessed them. Notice it says them. So Adam and Eve were working the garden together. God blessed them. And then verse 15, God said to them, be fruitful, be multiplying, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So marriage is part of extending God's kingdom. Now, if we're going to extend God's kingdom, it says here that we've got to fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Now, in order to have dominion, in order to subdue things, there's got to be roles within society. Different people doing different things, all of equal value, but different roles. So when it comes to marriage, I want to give you a challenge, right? It has been my observation that most marriages that fall, most marriages that fail, are the heavy responsibility of that failure falls upon the husband because the husband doesn't take the leadership role that he should, doesn't love his wife the way he should, doesn't provide like he should. And so Pastor Timothy Keller and his wife, Kathy Keller, wrote a book called The Meaning of Marriage. In it, Kathy Keller gives an example of submission in a tough life choice. In the late 1980s, our family was comfortably situated in a very livable suburb of Philadelphia. Tim had a full-time position as a professor. And then he got an offer to move to New York City to plant a new church. Well, he was excited about the idea, but Kathy says, I was appalled. Raising our three wild boys in Manhattan was unthinkable. Not only that, but almost no one I knew anything about I uh, thought that Manhattan would be a successful place to plant a church. She said, I also knew that this would be something that would consume Tim and consume our family. It wasn't something that would be a nine-to-five job. It would absorb the whole family and nearly all of our time. It was clear to me that Tim wanted to take the call, but I had serious doubts that it was the right choice. I expressed my strong doubts to Tim, who responded, well, 
If you don't want to go, then we won't go. However, I replied, Oh, no, you don't. You aren't putting this decision on me. That's an abdication of your responsibility. If you think this is the right thing to do, then exercise your leadership and make the choice. It's your job to break this logjam. It's my job to wrestle with God until I can joyfully support your call. Tim made the decision to go to New York City and plant Redeemer Presbyterian Church. The whole family, sons included, considered it one of the most truly manly things he ever did because he was quite scared, but he felt the call from God. At that point, Tim and I were both submitting to roles that we were not perfectly comfortable with, but it was clear that God worked in us and through us. And when we accepted our gender roles as a gift from the designer of our hearts, God blessed us. So Lord, I pray for every couple listening to this broadcast today. I pray they apply these eight principles and purposes of marriage to their lives, that you protect them and allow them to grow more like you in their relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.